Change to say the least. My grandmama's voice, a memory, just like the old song said. She's on that shore, and if she's looking down on me, I hope she's proud of what she sees. 'Cause thanks to her, I'm a walking with the Lord. Oh, to hear her once again wrap herself around that hymn. Just go back once more in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore in the sweet by and by. We shall meet on that beautiful shore. To pray. Good morning. Ten o'clock snuck up. You guys are all ready, right? Everybody, all ready to go? We're gonna call y'all in here. Finish up your biscuits and gravy real quick. <laughs> well, good morning. <laughs> I'm glad to see y'all here this morning. We are excited. We have had a good time this morning worshiping Jesus. We're kind of ahead of you guys, unless you guys were at home doing it. But we're we're ready. We're ro- ripping and roaring and all ready to go. So we're going to start off this morning with a video. So I wanted you guys to know that it was coming so you'd be able to hear it because it's a really good video. So take a peek. Kylie, go ahead. 
If we could see what happens when we pray, we would never cease to pray. Because we're like, you know, Lord, I don't know, and I don't even feel like you're in the room right now, and I don't even know if you hear me right now, and I don't even know if I hear me right now, and I'm actually getting a little tired, so maybe you're getting a little tired too. Oh, and my phone just pinged, and that distracted me, and oh, look, it's a notification from CNN. I should look at that, because it's important. You know, our, our prayer journey is a struggle. Because for, for a lot of it, we got like a wall three feet in front of us and a whole crazy world competing around us. But if just for like 10 seconds, God could open up the window of heaven and say, hey, when you just asked me that, I dispatched angels across continents. When you just asked me that, I shifted kingdom plans into gear. When you just asked me that, Darkness was weakened and the power of the enemy was destroyed. When you asked me that, a connection just happened across the world. When you asked me that, a door just opened across the country. When you asked me that, heaven just opened and God began to move. When you asked me that, dominoes started moving out that are going to move out not just today, but tomorrow, next week, next month, next year, and forever. And if we could see that for a moment, we would just pray all the time. Like the scripture says, when it encouraged me and said, hey, Louie, pray without ceasing. Because when you call on the name of Jesus and access the power of heaven and stand in the gap and agree with God's plans, things happen. Amen. You fired up? Huh? We serve an amazing God, an amazing God. And I don't want this to be just another Sunday this morning. I want us to remember that. And that when we're praising him this morning, when we're singing to him, we're here to give him praise. The reason that we do worship, the reason that, the reason that we pray is to access Jesus. It is to give back to him. And that's what we're going to do this morning. Are you excited about that? I'm excited about that. I'm excited. Yesterday was not a great day for me. I had kind of one of those defeated days. Anybody ever have those? Anybody ever feel kind of defeated once in a while? Yesterday was my day like that. And I started praying. I said, you know what, Lord, this is how I feel, but I know it's not real. They're just my feelings. And he started turning my day into a whole different kind of day. And it was awesome. So I got excited and I was like, I'm bringing them with me tomorrow. We're going to all have that kind of day today. Are you, are you guys with me? All right. I'm excited about it. Let me just also remind you with that in mind that that's the kind of prayer we have here at this church. We are praying people. This church has turned into such a praying church. And we have prayer cards on your seats. These are for you to fill out. Please fill them out and put them in the offering or hand them to me. We want to pray for you. We go after this on Wednesdays. And if you guys aren't there on Wednesdays, come. It is such a great time. We had a great group this last Wednesday. It was awesome. It was powerful. And we know God is moving and it's exciting. So please fill them out. Give us your praises as well because we want to praise them 
whenever those answers come in or whenever he does something unexpected that you share with us, we want to know about it. So we're excited. So please fill those out. Are you guys awake? (laughs) Did somebody say no? (laughs) Okay. The other thing is if you're a visitor here, we want to connect with you. We have these connection cards on the seats around you and We want you to fill it out so we can just connect with you. We want to make sure that you know what's going on, that you feel welcome here. We want to know your name. My name's Lori, so now you know me. So now I can get to know you. So fill these out. You can put them in our offering plates. You can give them to me or Pastor Tim or Pastor Scott. Any of us will take them. We're really excited to meet you. So please make sure you fill those out. All right. Would you guys stand? Let's welcome the Holy Spirit in here this morning, okay? Let's all pray. Lord Jesus, Father, Holy Spirit, we are so excited that you're here this morning. Lord, we are honored to be in your presence today, and we want you to take over this service. I know you have something expected, and I know we're tapping into the kingdom with you, Lord. We don't know what you're going to do, but we know your spirit can come in here and move in this place and blow the doors off. And that's what we want, Lord. We want you to feel welcome here. We want to honor you and praise you and love on you through our worship. I pray we will sing our lungs out. I pray, Lord, that we will set everything aside that distracts us, that you will help us with that, and that we will just give you a wonderful praise offering this morning. Lord, we love you, and your people are ready for your presence. So I ask you to loose yourself here, and I ask you to take over and protect us. I ask you to just move among us, Lord, and just to help us to step into your presence and look up at your face and let you know how much we love you. We love you, and we all ask this in Jesus' name, and God's people said, amen. Let's worship. I can't count the times I've called your name some broken night. Showed up and patched me up like you do every time. I get amnesia. I forget that you keep coming around. There ain't no way you'll ever let me down. Good God Almighty, I hope you'll find me. Praise your name.
Say good morning. Say I'm happy you're here.
It's good to praise the Lord. I'll tell you, after having a rough week, coming in and just singing to him just looses all that. It just goes away. Even if it's temporary, just for a time period, it's just nice to sit in his presence and just to to lift up his name and just glorify him for who he is because he's in charge. He's got it all under control. He's taking care of things, even things we're worried about. Or a hard week. Anybody else have a hard week? Yeah, a couple people? Well, I'm praying for you because I saw your hand go up. So I got you now. But uh, I'll tell you what. Staying in his presence has just made a world of difference. Have you guys raised a hallelujah this week? <gasps> I see a new baby in the house. Scott and Rachel over there with their new baby. Oh, Henry. That's a praise right there. That's a huge praise right there, sweet baby. That's a breath of heaven over there. Oh, I want to continue praising him. But boy, I I just want to remind you guys, when you're in those hard spots, just take some time to sit in his presence and just just enjoy him and soak him up and tell him, I know you're good, Lord, because your word says it. I know you're good. So we're going to continue to to praise him. We're going to do that right now.
for your presence. Lord, thank you. We praise you, Jesus. Oh, and we're going to raise a hallelujah, Lord. We are going to raise a hallelujah to you. You are working. You are moving, and your spirit is here. Thank you, Jesus, for being here. We love you. Oh, what an awesome time with Jesus. We're going to have the ushers come forward, and we're going to take the offering. We are going to receive the offering this morning. Thanks, guys. All right, let's pray, and we'll just continue worshiping. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time with you. Thank you for these gifts that will be given to you to further your kingdom, Lord. I pray you will bring your, your kingdom down and just take over and just go out into our community with all of this, Father. Thank you for providing for us. And Lord, we love you. We know that you will bless it. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, are you guys ready? You're going to keep praising? I see some smiles. It's fun, huh? There it is. <laughs> I want to hear you singing loud.
Amen. Thank you, Jesus. You guys can be seated. Just to let you know, a couple announcements, and then Pastor Tim's going to come up and deliver the message this morning. So just to let you know, Wednesday night is prayer night. What time? 6.30. Be there or be square, because it's really good. You guys need to come, so be there. And then we have, let's see here, what else do we have? What'd you say? Movie night. Yes. Movie night's on January the 28th, and it's a Friday night. We'll have snacks and food. We'll get a fellowship. We're going to watch The Chosen Season 2. So good. Please come. You guys come and be there because we really want you to be there, okay? Promise to say, okay, I'll be there. Oh, come on. (laughs) All right, try to be there. How about that? Pencil it in, okay? We'd really love to see you there. It's just a good time together. All right, so... Let me pray with you, and then Pastor Tim's going to come. Lord Jesus, thank you for this time enjoying your presence. I pray that you will continue to sweep through us. Lord, anoint Pastor Tim this morning. Let him bring us the truth of your word, and let him speak it boldly. And Lord, there may be things we need to hear, so help us to open our hearts. Jesus, you open our hearts. Let us receive it. Let us receive it and apply it to our lives. And when we walk out of here, let us be ready to apply it to our week. Lord, we need you. We need you to take over. We need you to help us. And Lord, we thank you for loving us. And thank you for Pastor Tim and his message today. In Jesus' name, all God's people said, amen. Amen, 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 amen. There was something real important I was going to say to you before the sermon. The sermon is very important. Oh, I was going to remind you, if you come to prayer meeting. On Wednesday night, I just remind you, we sit around center court. Prayer meeting is center court. So come and be part of center court prayer meeting here on Wednesday nights at 6.30. It was interesting that uh, Lori was talking about, have you had a rough week? Well, I hadn't had a rough week, but I had a rough morning. It was interesting, I had two people send me texts that said praying for you especially today, Pastor. These aren't people that go to this church or know you. One lives in Kansas City, one is in Houston. And the one from Kansas City said, I just feel impressed to pray for you this morning. And the one in Houston said, I've had you and Jane on my heart all night long. That makes me nervous, you know. So I got up this morning, my niece is down in our little rental cabin. And I got a note from her. We have no hot water. None of the appliances in the kitchen are working. Well, good. That's exciting. So, I think I'll just go to church. You can deal with that, and I'll figure it out later. I went down, flipped all the breakers, and the one outside, and the one's inside. So, down the road. I have been visiting with you the last two Sundays on this series that I've titled, God Never Said That, or God Didn't Say That. Because there are phrases that we use in life that we have a tendency to assume that God said. 
and we, verse, we, we verbalize them as though they are Scripture, when they are not. And yet we live by them because they make us feel kind of good. Two weeks ago, I spoke to you on the fact that many times we hear people say, well, God wants you happy. God didn't say that. And we split the hair that week and talked about how God really does want us blessed. Last week, I spoke about the fact that a lot of people say, God will never give you more than you can handle. God didn't say that. God did say He would not let us be tempted beyond what we could endure. So, we get these things kind of mixed up in our theology. Next week's message will be especially helpful, I think, for someone who may not be sure exactly what they believe. And you know what? I've come to the conclusion that more and more church people, people who attend almost every week, are not really sure what they believe. Today, I want to look at a very... uh, dangerous lie. And something that has, I think, serious consequences. But let's begin with an exercise that everyone here today can participate in. <laughs> you, you just got real nervous. But I think, I, I think it, it will be good and, and, and you can help me with this. I want you to look at the person sitting to your right. To your right. Look at the person sitting to your right. Now look at the person sitting to your left. Now the person sitting in front of you. You notice that you're just seeing the back of their head, basically. Think about the person that's sitting behind you. And if you don't know who that is, turn around and look at them. See who's back there. See who's behind you. Now, on the count of three, I want you to do something. When I hit three, I want you to point to the one that looks like they're the biggest sinner. One, two, three. Ah. It's kind of awkward to point to someone and say, you're the biggest sinner. Because in reality, there is something in the Bible called the unpardonable sin. That's a scary thought. But in today's culture, people would argue that the unpardonable sin is to call someone else a sinner. I mean, it's totally unacceptable in our world to call anyone a sinner. It's totally unacceptable to say that anyone else commits a sin. I mean, the PC crowd has us all frightened to say anything about anything. But you'll hear it often. Maybe you've even said it or believe it. And this is the statement for today. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. God didn't say that. It doesn't matter what I do. It's not your business. It doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. Well, God didn't say that. So today, I want to explore the reality of what Scripture says. And I'm going to be all over, so there's not a specific text that I'm drawing out to have you underline today. 
but scripture that teaches us about our behavior. If you think back to the time when Jesus lived, in your mind, what do you think was, and, and I won't ask you to answer this because I'm going to answer it for you, you think what the biggest cultural value was. I, I think you could make the argument that in Jesus' day, the biggest cultural value was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. You do something wrong, you deserve to be penalized. If I ask the same question today, what's the biggest cultural value you might be able to make the argument the biggest cultural value in our society right now is tolerance. And the definition of tolerance has changed over the past couple of decades. Because tolerance used to carry the idea that all people have equal value. But today, tolerance has evolved to mean that all ideas and all behavior have equal value. So it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone. The definition has changed so much that behavior, it is unacceptable to say that behavior is wrong, that it is sinful. So culturally, we have watered down and we have sanitized even what otherwise would be sinful terms. And we have given them acceptable phrases to help us feel better. Why? Because we don't want to offend anyone. I mean, just, I'm going to make you real nervous here for a moment. Just hang with me. But take the category of sexual sin. Instead of saying that we look at inappropriate material, we call it adult entertainment. And instead of saying that someone committed adultery, that's too harsh. So instead we say they had an affair. And instead of talking about premarital sex as sin, we're going to say, well, that's just fooling around and everybody fools around. We've taken what was once considered wrong and changed the way we describe it because in our culture today, the impardonable sin is almost seen as telling someone that something is wrong. And besides, it's none of your business. I can do whatever I want to do as long as it doesn't hurt anyone. What does it matter? But what we need to realize is that sin is very real and sin has dramatic earthly consequences and potentially damning eternal consequences. Let me just lift three cultural beliefs about sin today and look at what God really did say. It's very common in our society for people to believe well, I'm not a bad person. I'm not bad. You're not bad. I might make some mistakes, but, but I'm not a bad guy. And are you ready for this? That's not true. Boy, it's quiet in here. John writes in 1 John 1.8, If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. 
But, but I'm, I'm, I'm not a bad guy. If we compare ourselves to other people, as we did a moment ago, we may be tempted to say, well, I'm not really bad. Because we can always find someone that we consider much worse. And you may be sitting next to one of those people right now. I'm better than them. I've got my life together, get together better than they. I, I'm not a bad person. But other people are not the standard by which we are to be compared. When we compare ourselves to a holy, perfect God, we're horrible. Have you ever told a lie? Don't answer these out loud. Because I already know the answers. Have you ever stolen anything? I was in seventh grade, maybe eighth. Model cars were the big deal for seventh and eighth grade boys. At Mayberry Junior High, we had a model car club. And brother, I love those model cars. The 1940 Ford model, Coupe, that was produced by AMT was the really hot model. Walking home from Mayberry Junior High, went by Gessler's Drug, and they had this beautiful display of model cars, and I shopped there often for my model cars. And I knew, as every other kid my age knew, those model cars were $1.49. It said so right on the box. But I got into Gessler's Drug Store, and I went by the counter that had all the model cars, and there was that 1940 Ford. It was the new hot model. And you know what they had done? They had taken one of those white gummy stickers and put it over that $149 price tag and written $1.99 on it. I didn't have $1.99. I had $1.49. But with just a little bit of investigation, I saw how easy it was to peel that little white tag off of there and it said $1.49. And I peeled that off wadded it up, put that old price tag in my pocket, and I went up to the cash register and set that model down on the counter and peeled out my $1.49, and I walked out of that store. And some of you are saying, well, that's, come on. You ever steal anything? You ever look lustfully at someone? Ugh. Jesus said that you've committed adultery in your heart. Now, if you ever told a lie, what are you? Liar. If you ever stole something, what are you? Thief. If you ever looked lustfully at someone, according to Jesus' definition, what are you? An adulterer. So here we sit in this wonderful gymnasium. We're lying, thieving adulterers. Welcome to Woodland Park Church where we want you to feel good about yourself. Okay, so we're not such good people. 
Romans 3.10 says, There is no one righteous, not even one. Oh, but pastor, give us a break. The second misbelief about sin is that all sin is the same. And I certainly understand our line of thinking when we say that. It's like, who are you to judge me? What I'm doing is no worse than what you're doing. All sin is the same. But God didn't say that either. And what we need to understand is this. The Bible doesn't teach that all sin is the same. Now hear me. All unforgiven sin leads to separation from God, to death. But not all sin is the same. Paul said it like this in Romans 6.23. He said, the wages of sin is death. Any type of sin. Big sin, little sin. He didn't give a category. And then he said, but the good news is, the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So here's the point. Some years ago, I was driving with our youngest daughter, Jamie. And I did some automotive maneuver that was probably unusual. It may have been illegal. I don't know. And the guy in the car next to me flipped me off. Now, I grew up in an atmosphere where I would call that sin. Kind of digital profanity, you could call it. And what are the consequences for that? Not much. But if he had picked up a pistol from the seat and fired a shot into my car, that would be a sin. And the consequences would be very serious. All sin is not the same. How we live influences at least two things. It influences consequences on earth. If you're a blessing to others, chances are they'll be a blessing to you. But if you are sinful, there are consequences... But again, on earth, all consequences are not the same. There are different earthly consequences to our behavior. Now, Scripture seems to imply that how we live influences punishment in hell. So I've used two terms this morning you haven't heard from this platform in a long time. Sex and hell. So when you go out today and someone says, what does a preacher talk about? You tell them, sex and hell. It was a great morning, yeah. How we live to some degree or another, and I don't know the details, but it influences punishment in eternity. Let me show you a couple of verses. Luke's Gospel, chapter 20, verse 47. It says the Pharisees devour widows' houses. In other words, they're taking advantage of those who can least afford it. It says the Pharisees devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. Now God evidently hates that type of hypocrisy. And Scripture says these men will be punished. The Scripture says these men will be punished Most severely. So that would lead me to believe that some might not be punished quite as severely. 
that at least implies that there might be a different degree of punishment. And Jesus said to Pontius Pilate in John 19.11, Therefore the one who handed me over to you is guilty of a greater sin. And looking at the categories of sexual sin, Paul puts us off to the side. And he says in, he says in 1 Corinthians 6.18, he says regarding sexual sin, he says run from it. Run from Why? Because no other sin clearly affects the body as this one. In other words, there are different consequences to this sin than there might be to others. He says, for sexual immorality is a sin against our own body. And it's just pleading with you. He's just pleading with you. Don't you know that your body was purchased by the shed blood of Jesus? So flee from sexual sin. In in describing other sins, in talking about other sins, Paul would say, fight or resist. But not this one. He's saying, don't even try to fight. Just run. Because this one impacts you at the very deep, personal, significant way. doesn't matter what you do, as long as you don't hurt anyone. God didn't say that. How we live, what we do, matters on earth, And it matters in eternity. So misconception number one that most of us live with is, I'm not such a bad person. And you know what? From my view of you, you're not. Misconception number two is all sin is the same. Well, actually, it's not. All unforgiven sin separates us from God. But there are certain sins on earth that will have a bigger impact on our lives on earth and eventually eternity as well. Misconception number three. Since I've already done it, I might as well keep on doing it. Some might say, well, I'm, I'm not a virgin anymore, so I might as well keep on doing it. Drugs, I've done it, I might as well keep on doing it. I cheated and didn't get caught. I might as well do it again. I already looked at something that I shouldn't have looked at. I might as well keep on doing it. I've already done it once, so I might as well do it again. And the Apostle Paul asks a very pressing question in Romans 6.1. When he says, should we keep on sinning so that God can show us more and more of his wonderful grace? In other words, if, if God is going to forgive us, why should I even stop? Should we keep on sinning so that God's grace can continue to be poured out? And Paul says, of course not. You're better than that. You're smarter than that. He says, since we have died to sin, how can we live in it? Since Jesus died for us and we came to Him, and because of our faith in Him, our sin nature no longer has such power over us, we now have the power of Christ within us. Why should we continue to go back to that which hurts the heart of God and hurts our own lives and has the potential to hurt so many people around us even though we say if it doesn't hurt anyone. Shall we keep on sinning because God's going to keep on forgiving us anyway? And Paul says no, of course not. 
Let me tell you something about spiritual maturity. Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we obey. Can I say that again? Spiritual maturity is not about how much we know. It's about how much we obey. Spiritual maturity isn't about more knowledge. It's about having more fruit. Spiritual maturity is about letting the Holy Spirit take over and live through us. If we love Jesus, we will obey Him. Spiritual maturity is about more than knowledge. It's being transformed by the grace of God. Most Christians in our culture today are educated way beyond our level of obedience. Hmm? Most of us don't need to know more. Can I be real? Most of us don't need another Bible study. We need to apply what we already know. And we already know enough. It's pretty amazing how how well as disappointing and sad how many of us how many people call themselves followers of Jesus and just consistently walk right back to the same sin and we walk back into it and we rationalize it and we justify it and we say it's not that big of a deal and who are you to judge me shall we go on sinning that grace may increase listen the most, miserable, the most miserable person is not a non-Christian. It's Christians who continue to live shackled by that sin. Who know the freedom that's available to them, but intentionally disobey God. I'm not going to stand here before you today and act like I've got it all together. Because the closer I walk with Jesus, the more He reveals the impurity of my own life. And how much is wrong with me? I don't want to displease Him. I don't want to do anything dishonorable to my wife. I don't want to do anything that would hurt the name of Jesus. But like most of us in this room, I struggle. But God's grace is more than powerful. Because I have dwelling within me the same spirit that raised Christ from the grave. And therefore, what is in me is more powerful than what is in that world out there. And the closer you get to Jesus, the closer you get to the light, the more you recognize just how much darkness there is in your life. In spite of everything I've said this morning, I don't want you to go around feeling guilty. What we need to recognize is that sin is progressive. Sin grows. It grows in the dark. It's when we confess it, when we bring it to light, that's when the light of Jesus begins to set you free. Sin is progressive. Who was it that said it will take you further than you wanted to go and cost you more than you wanted to pay? 
and it will hold you longer than you want it to stay. And as long as we believe that we're good people in the grand scheme of things spiritually, nothing changes. But when I recognize that I'm a sinner saved by grace, the only way, listen to me, the only way this guy who's been, a, who's been in ministry 51 years, the only way I will ever get to heaven is by the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. 51 years of ministry won't get me there. It is the grace and the mercy of our Lord and Savior. Here's what I hope you'll understand today. It doesn't matter where we're trapped, what our particular issue may be, or how long it's been there. If you think you could never overcome it, God is saying, I can help you. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is the way out. And some of us need to recognize that we're trapped. We step out of our sin. We can step out of our sin and step into Jesus. And we step into His grace and into His love and into His power. I wish I knew all of you better. I just know that in a crowd this size, I'm talking to someone or some ones who have rationalized and thought there's no way out. But the Bible says you can do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And there is a way through Jesus. See, the reality of sin does cost us. But Jesus is bigger than my sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves. And the truth is not in us. That's what the scripture says. And the very next verse says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. And He will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness that is being baptized and bathed in His grace and His mercy. God is faithful. So when culture says that it doesn't matter what you do as long as you don't hurt anyone, recognize that according to Scripture, that's a lie from hell. Because sin is this great enemy, enemy to intimacy with God. For when it is there, we are hesitant to pray. When it is there, we are hesitant to say anything about our faith. Because that is there just bubbling. And it causes us to live 
below the level of obedience that God asks us, where God asks us to live. God says, my grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. Sometimes when we realize that we're living beneath the grace that he has provided for us. Hmm. Sometimes we hesitate to ask him again because we think we've asked him so many times and failed him. We want to be obedient, but we rely so much on what we've done or what we do rather than on how surrendered and obedient we might be. See, I come down to this moment in a sermon and I'm not sure what to, I'm not sure how to ask you to respond. I just grew up in the culture where you came to the end of a service like this and you had preached things like this and you just said maybe someone would like to kneel here at these altars today and seek a fresh touch of that grace that God says He has for us. Maybe someone would say, man, that's me, Pastor. I'm living below the level of grace God has granted me. And I just need to invite Him back. Maybe I need to confess to Him. But just to invite Him back to bathe me with His grace. Would you stand with me, please? Could we just wait here in His presence for a moment? And if there's someone here today who would like to kneel here and pray, I'd sure like to pray with you or someone else would. I invite you to come while we wait. Why am I so afraid to move? I cross the line. I'm stepping out, so come what may. I give it all, cause I'm drawn to you. As long as my heart is beating, where you lead me, I will follow. Where you lead me, I give my life away. Where you lead me, I will follow forever and a day. Forever and Sometimes it's hard to be honest when we're in the presence of other people. And I think sometimes when you hear a sermon like this, it's even harder to move because it's like, what are other people going to think of me? 
doesn't matter. What is God thinking? What is He thinking? Anyone else? wait a long time to give you an opportunity. Heavenly Father, we bow in your presence today to give you thanks for your presence in this place and to express to you today that we love you and that we're glad you are our Savior and our Lord. And Father, we bow in your presence, at least in our spirits, to give you thanks for your grace and your mercy. Because you are God, and we are not. Father, most of us will walk from this place today still thinking about some of those things in our life that cause us turmoil. And it's not the things that revolve around our business or our family. It's the things that revolve around our heart. And I pray, Lord, that you will help us as we continue to try to be sensitive to the leadership of your Spirit as we try to be open to receiving your grace. And Father, as we strive to be more obedient to you and more transparent with you, for what can we hide from you anyway? Father, I pray your blessings upon your people today. I ask for your spirit to continue to flow in this place. And that day by day, we would see something transforming the life of this congregation. And that word would be obedience to you. Father, we give you thanks and praise you now. In the name of Jesus, our Lord, and all the people said, Amen. Amen. God bless you.